Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. It's July and July is all about Latour, but Zwift is very visible thanks to a huge ad campaign we discussed. The fence is a few weeks in. How's it working out? We talked to one of Zwift's most experienced ride leaders. And Eurobike is coming. What might we expect for indoor riders from the world's biggest bike show? Plus, it looks like another course extension, or maybe two, are imminent. Well, after a little break from the usual trident configuration of the Zwickcast, and I don't mean that in a mobby-style leader's way, we're a bit more organised, and that actually be harder to be less organised. And that we're back together, my fellow podcasters, Shane Miller and Nathan Garrett, are back in the usual seats. Shane, g'day, mate. How are we doing? Good to be back. Can't wait to get this episode on the road. Yep, lots to discuss, as usual. Nathan Garrett, yo, dude. Yo, dudes. How's it going? <laughs> going very well, thank you. Uh, Shane, um, because it's it's a bit of time since we've actually all been together, I, th- I really do think it's about time we talked about Baby Llama. Let's talk about Baby Llama. We've not talked about Baby Llama. Um, you seem to have scheduled this one peculiarly badly, dude. Baby Llama is due right in the middle of Eurobike. Um, what happened there, fella? Look, what can I say? I've got no idea how these things happen. And look, there <laughs> haven't been enough Zwiftcast recordings or Zwift updates to keep me occupied. Next minute. Baby llama. <laughs> oh man! I mean, this, this is your first, this is your first child. We've not really talked about this. Your first child and and Vons, obviously. Are, are you excited? Uh, yeah, taking it as it comes. I've been really, really busy, which we'll get to in this episode. So I've been flat out and Vaughn's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're like, what's going to happen here? Um, we're only a few weeks out now because it's our Eurobike release. Um, early week or first week of September. Um, no, it's all pretty cruisy. Look, this. The Eurobike <laughs> release, that's like the literal. <laughs> what, is Lama, what is Lama bringing to the bicycle world? Baby well, Lama. I can tell you this one's not going to be quiet. <laughs> I'm guaranteeing you that. But uh, look, I've got to say the support we have from both family and the technology these days from the medical side of things and the support we have in Australia is, is second to none. It's been absolutely brilliant. So now we're looking forward to it. Yes, as we were just discussing just just before we got going on this this podcast, I think you know pe- people who are already parents they they kind of don't really need to say anything at all to prospective parents or about to be parents because you just don't know till it hits you, do you, Nathan? Really? <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, it's a whole yeah. Um... The universe shifts, that's for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, good luck and, and, and you know, the, um, all the blessings around all of that and no Zoom on, uh, on any of the, um, what, what you just, I, I'm, I think you guys are going to deliver well, right? You know, no Zoom. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> because you just had a breathing class, Shane, I think, uh, just yesterday. You were doing some good, uh, some, some intervals, some breathing intervals. Look, all this, all the things that we've been told, I'm like, this is like a Zwift session. So we need ice, we need cool towels. Uh, my partner's going to be in pain. They're going to need some breathing exercises. I'm going to have to be there to support them. I'm like, this is every week when Von races on Zwift. What's any different here? So, no, we're ready for it. <laughs> You've been training. You've been training. Von, Von may have a view on how different it is um, post the event. Let's just leave it at that. Anyway, listen, um, uh, Von's um, incipient happy news on yours too hasn't stopped you making at least one traditional summer European trip. 
Um, you've been all over the shop in Europe, including at Le Tour. Um, very briefly, what did you learn, Shane? Ah, look, I'll cover the highlights because I've got a, I've got a showreel here to go through. So we went to the Netherlands, Belgium, Italy, Taiwan. We caught the Tour de France stages one and stages two, the Giro Rossa stage six, I believe, individual time trial. We caught up with four trainer manufacturers, power meter companies. We did the DCR open house event. We went to visit the world's largest bicycle manufacturer and a, had a Zwift event in Taiwan where I was signing bottles and taking selfies with some fans it's time to sleep for a day or two and then get back into it but it was it was busy it was busy yeah that is some list well no doubt keep an eye uh on your youtube channel for all the uh super interesting stuff that you will have done and made uh, be, be making videos about so um good place to catch up with that and we'll talk about um what we might see at your about before the end of this podcast. Um, Nathan, one of the reasons that the three of us not been in our usual spots is because last episode of the Zwiftcast was a special with um, Zwift creator John Mayfield. He had loads of interesting things to say. Um, but in particular, what did you make of his kind of obvious admiration for the driving game Forza Horizon? Um, there is a part of me because I am a racer and, I, you know, that was where I got involved in Zwift. And that is where, like, all of my Zwifting was about supporting my race career as a professional cyclist. And then what I did with Zwift afterwards was start all the race broadcasts and all that stuff. So there's another part of me that goes, ah, I kind of want to hear you talk about Overwatch, not Forza. Like, because Forza is up front. It was a um, race car level up solo campaign thing. At the same time, though, it is very much also like the um, the original Forces, though, did have like racetracks. And I do think it's a great comparison. I think it's a great fit when it comes to um, what Zwift is and has to offer right now and how it's going to develop as it is right now. Well, maybe I think, I th- yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what he kind of liked about was certain features within the game. That, there were things he felt that, that, that could be developed in, in a similar way for, for Zwift. I don't think it was a kind of blanket, let's make Zwift like, like, like Forza, but it was, it was interesting to me. I think it is definitely hand in glove there, though. I do. I think it's a good fit. I, I'm not saying it's not at all. I think it's a great comparison. I think that uh, he knows his game really well. Um, and there's just a bias in me. That's all. I'm just talking about my bias. <laughs> that's essentially what I'm doing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we're here. That's why, that's why we're here, to air our biases. That's why we make podcasts. Okay, let's crack on with episode 66. Now, one phrase that we've heard more often, even than Thomas de Gent is in the breakaway at this Tour de France, is fun is fast. The tagline for Zwift's blanket ad campaign. I say blanket, well, has been for me, watching the UK coverage on ITV4 and Eurosport, Zwift has been ever present with both sponsorship bumpers in and out of breaks and traditional 30-second spots. And I'm pretty sure Zwift has brought lots of airtime in its other major territories too. Shane, perhaps you could confirm that whilst you whilst you answer this question as well. I mean, to me, when I first saw this, it looked almost counterintuitive. I mean, the platform's very quiet. I've been doing a couple of Zwift sessions because it's so hot where I am at the moment. And uh, the, the, the platform's very quiet. So, And it's certainly low season, definitely, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. But then I, I started thinking about it and, and asked myself, is it really counterintuitive? Well, Probably not really, because if you care about cycling, Latour is everything. You know, it's the best three weeks of my year, that's for sure. So this association for Zwift with the Tour looks like a smart move. 
doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And here in Australia, we are bombarded with Swift ads on television and Swift sponsorships by the podcast with SPS and our national coverage and all that. I welcome it. I like seeing Swift on telly. It's It sort of reminds me of how far things have come because back four years ago when we were just testing this beta software and you know it was our little thing. Um, look, I think all competitive cyclists now know about Zwift. Whether they use it or not, it's up to them. And just like competitive cyclists know about like Paris-Roubaix and the Spring Classics and the World Championships, but those things you need to be in the cycling bubble to know about. Now, onto the tour. The tour is bigger than cycling. It may sound a little strange, but even non-cyclists watch the tour and know what the tour is. So the tour is a bigger brand than Zwift. So, yep, the smart money is to associate upwards, Zwift, the tour, and that's a lot more brand awareness. Good phrase Shane used there, Nathan. I like seeing Zwift on telly. There's something actually, particularly for people like us and, and people who probably listen to the podcast and have been Zwifters for a long time, there's almost a sense of kind of pride, isn't there, in seeing your baby kind of grow up and do, you know, mix with the big boys in the world of Latour. Yeah, so uh, as far as that goes, like there's a, familiar, a familial place, a family place on Thursdays during Julys. Every Thursday night, Grandma Meal. And uh, that's been going on for like 20 years. And um, this past Thursday and the Thursday before, we always watched during July stages of the tour with grandpa sitting in the chair. Like, and that, like, we all gather on the telly <laughs> and there's Zwift. And they all look at me and go, Nathan. <laughs> and that was like, and yes, there was definitely a sense of like, yeah, this is something I've been involved with for a really long time. And now it's on television. Like, whoa, this is, and you know, and they're all like, Nathan, that's what you do. You're a part of that thing. And so, it, yeah, that was really cool to have that as the, because not everyone there is cyclists. A lot of them are, you know, grandpa, you know, world triathlete level and my dad and et cetera. But the, there was a lot of cycling in the family, but not everyone is. And the ones who aren't are like seeing that and recognizing and that was really cool to see for all of us. Well, I managed to grab a few words with the Zwift exec who masterminded this huge global campaign. Welcome to the Zwiftcast, Laurent Jeannot, VP Brand and Communications at Zwift. Hi, Laurent. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm very well indeed, thank you. As listeners, we'll have very quickly deduced you are you are French. Uh, so the first question has to be, Laurent, are you enjoying the tour? I am enjoying the tour. I am definitely enjoying the tour for, for a few reasons. The first one is there's a Frenchman in yellow, you know, which doesn't happen that often. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Garen Thomas, who's uh, quite close to our brand, is, is doing fairly well too. And uh, and we have also our, our advertising campaign out during the Tour de France, which is uh, which is uh, which is absolutely fantastic for us. Indeed, and 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 that brings us straight to the matter at hand. If I had five euro, Laurent, for every time I've heard the training app where fun is fast, whilst I've been watching the Tour, I have to tell you, I'd be I'd be a very very wealthy man. I mean, it's been blanket coverage, certainly in the UK. How does that compare with with other countries? We, I mean, our me- media presence is very strong in the um, in the UK. It's very strong in continental Europe as well. It's very strong in the US. It's very strong in Australia and in New Zealand. Uh, so it's it's pretty much a global campaign. So, so people in those territories will have seen just as much of the campaign as as I have in the UK. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Well, as we just mentioned, um, for reasons that you will take particular pride in, I mean, it is an absolutely fantastic edition of Latour. And, and I'm assuming as a result of that, um, it's getting very high ratings, which is great news for your campaign. So any kind of early signs of success that you're able to measure for the campaign, Laurent? We have some early signs that are very, very positive. I mean, our website traffic is is absolutely through the roof. Um, the the search level, you know, the Google search level, which is a very good good proxy for 
uh, brand awareness is at the level that we usually experience during the winter, which is our, our, our acquisition season. And uh, there's also um, a, a very clear increase in the number of subscription, including some uh, record uh, new account uh, uh, creation in Australia where the acquisition season is, is in full swing. The campaign is being noticed and we have tons of positive comments on, on social media. Uh, which is uh, which is fantastic news to know that uh, first the campaign is seen, uh, the campaign is definitely uh, uh, making uh, uh, leaving a mark, and it's making Zwifter proud and it's making uh, prospective Zwifter interested. Yeah, yeah, and and in that that that, sense, that, that sort of uh, uh, foreshadows my next question, really, Ron, which is. Is this campaign aimed at driving subscriptions or is it more like supporting the brand? So associating Zwift with, with Le Tour de France, is, is that more like, um, you know, is, is, is the aim there to make Zwift part of the cycling furniture by, by that association? It's, it's a great question. Um, um, the, the objective of the campaign is really to, um, to support the brand, definitely. And uh, so, yes, the, really the main objective is basically to use the Tour de France, which is the, the moment where the attention of our core audience is at its peak, uh, to increase the visibility and the awareness of Zwift. So, so really increase that level of, of visibility, that level of curiosity, so that when the acquisition season starts, there is a, a bed of awareness, there is a bed of knowledge about Zwift, that uh, we can reactivate and uh, that can make the acquisition season even more efficient than what it was, you know, the past few years. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. I, I, I can understand that. I don't think that's too deep in kind of um, media theory weeds for people to understand. So given that, Laurent, on a scale of one to ten, how annoyed are you at Peloton muscling in and advertising in the same break? <laughs> not, not, not that annoyed, I have to say. Uh, I mean, the first, it's, it's understandable and, and great for Peloton, you know, they're preparing for their IPO. Uh, the, the reason why we're not that um, annoyed by this is that um, we don't really see this as a challenge as we're not really targeting the, the same audience, you know, and we don't have exactly the same product. I mean, we're focused on, a, you know, real-time community-driven interactive experience and, and their core business is, is, is about those, those recorded classes. Long answer to a short question, not, not annoyed at all. Well, that's very, that's very gracious of you. Um, the creative process, let's just talk about that a, a, a little. I mean, uh, was it lengthy and or difficult? I mean, we see very high quality actual gameplay. And of course, we see very prominently amongst, amongst others, but we do see very prominently Grant Thomas. Were they easy decisions, Laurent? Um, fairly easy because when, um, you know, Lloyd Murphy, uh, our creative director, and, and I saw the, uh, this concept, it, it made total sense. We saw several other concepts, you know. The reason why it made total sense is um, uh, there are two main reasons. The first one is that we, we had never seen before a concept that uh, would put our game in, in, in majesty in, at that level. Yeah, and I, I mean, the thing it does is it, it gets across the concept of movement, which actually, if you know anything about TV production and, and Zwift, is, it's quite a difficult concept to, to get across that visually. Completely. And, uh, you know, for, for us as a brand, there's something, there's a super interesting tension or paradox is that, uh, you know, we're a very um, innovative brand and, uh, and we're constantly moving forward. We're giving the impression for our subscribers that they're moving forward in our worlds. 
And at the same time, we're standing still, you know, in a garage or in a, in a spare room and in an office. Uh, so communicating that, um, that move, that idea of movement, that notion of speed is super interesting. And, and, uh, you, you may, you may, you may not like it because, or it may make you even richer if you get five euros each time you hear a fun is fast, but you will probably see more of it in the future. Well, the problem is I'm not getting five euros every time I hear it. But um, ju- just on the use of Geraint, I mean, he's not, I mean, clearly he's a huge star. I mean, clearly he could still win the tour. But to be honest, Laurent, he's not known as as a huge Zwifter. I mean, I know he has Zwifted. And I think anybody could absolutely understand the reason why you would make him the, the the central figure and cast him in in the role that you have in the campaign, but but what, were there any concerns about authenticity at all? It's been a principle that we've been trying to respect for the past few campaigns is really to use Zwifters in our ads, and uh, if uh, Garant had not been a Zwifter at all, we would we would or not interested at all in Zwift, we would have not you know considered having him in the campaign. Um, and uh, the reason why we're having him in the campaign is is not only because of his notoriety and the fact that he's a, a very f- famous pro rider, winner of the 2018 Tour de France and many other trophies, but also because he's interested in Zwift and because he's, he's Zwifting and he's going to Zwift even more in the future. Sure. Sure. So I think the answer to that question is: is Geraint is 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 enough of a Zwifter to to, to pass the test? I'll, I'll, I think we'll let you have that one. Um, final question, Ron. Probably the one you've been dreading because you may you may have to find creative ways not to answer it, which is what I think is probably going to happen. Um, this campaign looks as though it's cost a pretty penny or or a few cents or you know a couple of dozen euro. Um, I mean, I'll ask you the, 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 the direct question. How much have you spent on it? That's one of our little secrets that will keep a little secret. Um, if you don't mind, I mean, what I, what I can say, it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful representation of our brand. And uh, it's a very, very worthwhile investment when you see, uh, you know, the amount of attention we draw. <laughs> I thought that might be the case. Cost and value, of course, are two different things. I think I think we have to appreciate. Very final question. Um, we are about to go into uh, three very, very decisive days in the Alps. Um, Laurent, stake your reputation. Will a Frenchman win the tour? Oh my God! I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm I'm enough of a of a connoisseur in cycling to really make a, a safe bet. And I'm very torn. But you're a Frenchman. But you're a Frenchman. I know, I know. I'm very torn. I'm very torn, Simon, because I'd love a Frenchman to be um, in yellow in the Champs-Élysées, on the Champs-Élysées, for sure. But maybe also Geraint, who's exactly. Who's I'd, love, I'd love Geraint to have, you know, to have this, this this second Tour de France in a row, which would be awesome for him and absolutely absolutely great for us. So. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't really answer. It's really, I'm deeply torn. It's uh, deep inside. So I don't, I don't know yet. I can't answer precisely this question. I, I think you are sitting on La Fence. Um, it's been, it's been a, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for giving us a, a real insight into that campaign, which, um, you know, I think Zwifters have, have watched with, with great interest. Thank you very much indeed, Laurent. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Simon. It was great talking to you. Some interesting points there, Shane. Um, 
I mean, the Grant Thomas is a really interesting call, isn't it? You can absolutely understand why he is cast in the role that he is in this global campaign. I mean, you want the biggest possible star that you can get. And, uh, well, that might be Peter Sagan. But, you know, Geraint <laughs> Thomas is not a bad person. Um, uh, but, 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 and I did ask, ask Laurent the kind of authenticity question. I think he does just about pass the test. Do you? Yeah, look, I've done the numbers because when you get a technical person on the show like me, I do the numbers. Uh, Geraint Thomas has had <laughs> seven rides total on Zwift of 220 kilometres and six hours of use. Last activity was back in 2017. Mm. So when you say pass the test, he just scrapes in in the time limits. Look, <laughs> as opposed to somebody else like Andre Greipel, who has lots of rides, 3,000 Ks, and last activity was a few weeks prior to the tour, and Lawrence Sendam. 3,600Ks on Zwift. So, look, let's call this what it is. It's marketing. Garrett is an English-speaking yeah. Brit. He's likely to win yeah. the tour at this point in time anyway. Well, let's see how he goes tonight. Um, and, look, by all reports, he's a good character. So it's a very good bet for Zwift to roll the dice on this one, and that's exactly what they did. It's difficult to call them out on, on that being a bad decision, I think. And it was interesting that, that Laurence had joined that interview that, that, that there are – I can't remember whether uh, yeah, I included it in the edit because it was a long interview that, but he did say there were plans for Zwift to be um, Geraint to become more involved with Zwift. So I wonder even if part of this deal, which I imagine was substantial, um, could see some future course for a closer association with, uh, with Zwift and Geraint. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, we don't see any lacking. And I mean, from right up front, we saw the um, pro use uh, attached to marketing, right. You know, from day one, almost, I believe. Um, so um, anytime that there are pros on, I think that, you know, that's a great association in the same vein that Laurent was talking about the association of the brand. I think it's just smart to grow the brand with people who are winners. You know, it's a, it's a great way to go. So yeah, I think, um, the way that it looks to me is that Garrett most likely will get more involved. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to see how it's a bad thing. It must be said. Um, Shane, I don't know if this is happening in Australia, but it's certainly happening in the UK, possibly because Peloton have just launched in the UK here, but, uh, cheek by jowl in some ad breaks with the Zwift 32nd spot is a Peloton spot, which is <laughs> it's kind of hilarious, really. I mean, it shows you a couple of things. One, one that you know, this is a viciously competitive arena now for 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 advertising for brands who want to be associated with with cycling, and in particular the tour. But it also just just shows you the popularity of indoor cycling. Or maybe, as Laurent said during that interview, it also shows you that Peloton are just about to go for an IPO. Mm, interesting. No, no Peloton stuff here, which is good because that's the last thing I'd want to see on our televisions here in Australia. But they have just <laughs> launched in the UK, I think a few months back. So it makes sense there. But look, they're playing for the same real estate. They really are. It's the competitive enthusiast person who wants to spin their legs. If somebody is sitting on anything, spinning their legs indoors, they're a competitor for Zwift and there's a potential market there. And I think there's a lot of room to move for Zwift because as we've been talking about forever, it's kind of hard to get on Zwift with these smart trainers and hooking everything up and Peloton, you can pull it out of the box and it just works. So, hmm, interesting, but hey, as long as there are more players in the space, the better. More competition, yep, bring it on. Yeah, yeah. Well, for, for me, the message was, you know, I mean, you know, four years ago in the tour, nobody would have even mentioned indoor cycling around it. And now you've got two competing brands, no doubt, driving the price of those ad spots up for each other as well. Nathan, um, the Julian 
Alaphilippe of Zwift, as I think we're going to have to start calling you, because you've been winning races on Zwift, mate. Uh, three in three days, I hear. Uh, have you been inspired by the French sensation? Well, it was inspiring seeing him taking on the climbs, that's for sure. And I've always, I've always liked Julian Alaphilippe because he's a puncher, you know, and, 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 and I, I like that because I'm a mountain biker and most mountain bikers are punchers. I mean, um, so, but uh, I don't know, like when I jump on Zwift lately, I'm either doing a recovery ride or I'm racing. Um, like I can, I'm just like, I, I feel like I don't want to go out and suffer in intervals. I know that's what it takes to race if I really want to get serious about racing like professionally again, but I just kind of want to stay in shape and racing's an easy way to get like a seven to 800 calorie burn with warm up and cool down, maybe one K, you know? So I'm just kind of like, well, this will at least keep me fresh. Um, it's interesting. I'm seeing fitness come around in ways that I wasn't expecting without doing the base as much. Now, if I do want to see like go compete with the guys doing the classics and stuff, like that's a whole nother level of insanity, five hour rides at 250 Watts or whatever, but it's a nice way to just jump on. And I'm seeing the benefits that of, um, you know, some of the early Zwift casts, we had conversations with people who just raced and saw what kind of, there were actually people who did tests just to see like, hey, what kind of fitness can I get out of just racing? And I'm seeing the benefit of that and I'm enjoying it. And it's a very exciting way to get a workout in. So, Well, it's interesting. You say you're either doing recovery rides, uh, recovery rides or, or racing, your, racing your bum off because, I mean, that's kind of how the pros train. I mean, they don't train in this mushy middle. They either go really easy for a long time or really hard for, for not quite such a long time. And uh Maybe maybe that is the way to go. Um, my progress is stately. My my return to fitness progress is is stately. I think uh, certainly not dramatic. Certainly not anything of the uh, juju variety. Um, but are the for since my all my horrid health issues. For, for I have to say, out on the bike the other day for the very first time, I just started to feel as though I was getting on top of the ride instead of the ride was getting on top of me. My, you know, I just felt for that first time there was a bit of strength coming back to the legs, which was very, very welcome. Or are you scoring some PRs? Henry KOMs. Uh, obviously, you're uploading all this to Strava. You've got to keep track of this. I don't really do KOMs. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the nearest I get to KOMs is kind of suicidal descents. Um, you're never going to find me. Uh, you're never going to find me topping the list of uh, anything involving a climb. I have to say, but um, but yeah, it's nice to feel some fitness coming back. Right on. Okay, well, before we get onto a review of the fence with top Zwift ride leader Tim Searle, let's round up on a few bits and pieces of industry news and moves because there's quite a lot about actually. Um, Zwift is now officially um, on Android, um, out of beta, officially available. It's a thing. I, I confess to knowing little of Android, but I do know that an awful lot of people use it. Shane, is this really a really big, big deal on the millions and millions of people who've previously been prevented from being Zwifters by their use of the Android OS? Mm, Android? What's Android? (laughs) We'll just be rude rude about it. We'll get letters. No. An angry email. It's all good. It's interaction with the content. It helps the algorithm. <laughs> but look, we saw this first at Eurobike two years ago, and I predicted back then it's only a small subset of users. We do see most people in the fitness market tend to lean towards uh, the iOS 
based uh, devices. So uh, iPhones, Apple TVs and iPads and things like that. But look, I think what I predicted has come true. It'll come out. The support of running it across devices will be a problem, and it is. Um, but it's good to have in in the uh, in their back pocket, I guess. But do you think do you think there's a massive pent up demand there? No, absolutely not. But I think I think it has potential to be much more value to Zwift because it runs on what could be cheaper and more accessible hardware. And I do believe yeah. Peloton runs on Android based uh, screens for their solution. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, well, I guess it's going to be a good thing that it's available on a platform that that, that, that you know millions and millions of people use. So um, we we'll see. We'll see, well, we won't know what it does to subscribers, but we'll uh, we'll get a sense of whether there's lots of Android users flooding onto the platform. I guess in in due course. Um, Nathan, even though we've not or heard or been told anything completely officially, our friend Jonathan Levy over at Zwift Hype seems convinced we're about to see. Uh, I think what we're calling the forest section of uh, the newest extension to Watopia, which was a desert section. There was there was a forest section in there. We knew about it. Um, we think it's about to be freed from captivity. More roads looks to be rolling. Lots of big redwood trees and stuff. Looking forward to that. First, I'm looking forward to saying Levi like the jeans because I was corrected over and over and over again for like a year, I think it was. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no joke. He was because they were involved in a lot of the early broadcasts. So I used to say <laughs> levy, like, and I even compared it to like a levy, the, like a dam that, that breaks with water. Yeah. Anyway. So it's not take your Chevy to the levy. <laughs> when the, the levy breaks, when the levy breaks is what I think of. Led Zeppelin. Don't mention anyway. water breaks around here. I'll get nervous. <laughs> Oh my gosh, there we go. Oh man, we're not getting the opposite of Zoom now. Okay, so um, he, uh, I am, ex- this actually is one of the releases I'm the most excited about because of what the terrain um, I believe is going to look like and feel like, uh, as well as maybe some other things that I always do this to you guys on on the, on the Swiftcast that mm, are going to maybe down the road come. And so I'm, this is a, part of Watopia that I'm really, really looking forward to. I don't think we've seen terrain like this anywhere in Zwift actually ever before. And I think it's going to be super interactive. Um, you know, yeah, this is, uh, and, and the fact that it's like right off of the main piers in Watopia and in very quick access, I just feel like the jungle doesn't get as much use because mm. it's kind of farther traffic. away yeah, yeah, you know? yeah and yeah, the fact yeah, that yeah, it's like right that. there kind of will bring more traffic there maybe too um yeah, so yeah, yeah i'm excited about this i'm extremely excited about uh this forest section that's on its way well um the the, the few little hints we've been given um the word discovery is prominence now what that means I've absolutely no idea but a journey of discovery, we've been told when you enter the forest section. Um, so that, sound, that does sound interesting. Is it a hat tip to Lance Armstrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. Don't go, don't go postal, oh, Lamachine. Don't go postal. Um, <laughs> okay, well, listen, talking about new courses, I think, actually, even though, you know, we're not supposed to say this, I think we can probably acknowledge on the podcast that, if all things are equal, and I'm very sincere to think that they aren't, sometime before September, we're going to see a new World Championships course. I mean, you know, every World Champs in the last couple of years has had a Zwift course. So, I mean, you know, this is hardly great insight. I mean, we've had Richmond and Innsbruck. It's nailed on. We're going to get Yorkshire. Probably a few a few weeks before the IRL Worlds, which are towards the end of September. So maybe 
beginning of September-ish might not be a bad guess. Particularly exciting for me, of course, because these are these are my home roads. I mean, I, these are the roads I literally ride my bike on, um, all around Harrogate and North Leeds and points in Yorkshire. Um, the HQ for the Worlds is, in fact, my hometown, so very, very exciting one for me. Um, for those Swifters unfamiliar with Yorkshire's tarmac, let me let you into a little secret. They don't make the roads flat in Yorkshire. Um, more roads soon then, Shane, I think is a fair bet. I know in the past you've thought Swift's policy of replicating the world's courses has looked a little niche on the basis that the world's is not the tour and, you know, only kind of very committed and enthusiastic and informed cyclists really follow the world's. Do you still feel that? I actually like Innsbruck these days. Yeah, I, I like the opportunity to be able to select Innsbruck, yes or no, or go back to Whitopia. And a lot of people are still going back to Whitopia. I've been mm. looking at the numbers. But my question is, Yorkshire roads, they don't build them flat, but do they build them interesting? Because in Richmond, they didn't build roads flat but they weren't really that interesting. <laughs> well, I find the Yorkshire roads <laughs> interesting, yeah. I mean, and, and yes, I mean, the scenery that, you know, that the world is set in is, is utterly spectacular. I mean, it's some of the best okay. better on the na- best natural landscapes in the world. And I, I don't say that just as Yorkshire pride thing. I mean, it really, really is. Is there any particular climbs or features that we may see on, is it the finishing loop, I guess, they'll be looking at because that's what they've done for the Innsbruck thing? Yeah, well, uh, Yorkshire's full of climbs. I mean, uh, you know, okay. and I, the, the thing is, I know the world's routes, but I don't yet know, of course, the section of the world's routes that Zwift has chosen. But I mean, there are some, there are some walls. You know, there's some twenty five percent monsters in Yorkshire. You don't have to go far to find to find some of those. Um, uh, but some nice rolling territory as well. So it's going to be good to see how they interpret. I mean, there's hundreds of miles of routes or kilometers of routes that that the IRLs are going to go on. So it'll be interesting to see which bits of those that they pick. Um, I'm not going to be the best critic of this because I just kind of know it know it too well. Um, Nathan's exciting. I think, you know, more, more tarmac, always exciting. Yeah, it'd be good to have uh, options, like always, you know, and um, I do believe it's also a brand play like we see with the tour. Uh, on a different level, but um, I think it's also a sports play. I think that there's a side to it where it's like train on the same thing as the world's course, um, you know. So there's that part of it. It, it you know, a course. It's also, is- it's also. I'm just going to jump in here. It's also a lobby play. I mean, Zwift are friends with the UCI, and it's great to be friends with the UCI. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, there's a lot of chatter around that. Um, you know sport like i said a sports play i guess that's what i was getting at there is that you know being in a sport being in the genre and being associated with the genre of cycling obviously i mean as a cycling platform and we want to have this esport thing i mean that's a whole so it's almost like we have to have the course you know or at least some sort of associations like that especially the world championship of cycling so um yeah, I think it's a great thing. And I think it's also great for Zwifters to have new tarmac. So a yearly course is awesome and we can look forward to it then and make plans around it too, which I think is something pretty cool. Uh, if we get earlier release information and be able to make plans around it for uh, doing events and stuff like that. Well, it's one of the few course releases that's actually tied to a date. And if you look where Eurobike is coming this year, it's two to three weeks before the Worlds, which... 
you know, might be a good time to release. Who knows? Um, but that's pure speculation. Uh, Shane, uh, back to you, not directly Zwift related, but for sure indoor cycling related. And for sure it would have been noted with interest at, at ZHQ. Wahoo has acquired the Sufferfest. I mean, I know this is old news now, but we've not talked about it. I must say the immediate kind of drop dead stone cold logic of this deal sort of escaped me, actually. So, so I'm relying on you. What, what does it mean and, and who's going to benefit from this? Yeah, I think this completes their ecosystem over at Wahoo a little more. They've got trainers, heart rate monitors, fans, desks, mats, the climb that goes up and down. And that needs to be all tied together somehow. And there is now a reliance on Zwift. Well, on the surface, that's cool. Um, But yeah, who knows at a business level what's happening here. So it gives Wahoo a more out-of-the-box appeal. Let's say they include 12 months of Sufferfest in every trainer box, then boom, lots more uh, lots more appeal there. But look, that's what we know today, On and we live on the surface of information. So the acquisition could meet a lot more soon. Yeah, they might know stuff that we don't. But the, the, mm. the immediate kind of logic of it, other than, as you say, dropping that kind of final piece into the jigsaw, it, I didn't quite see it, whereas I did immediately with the tax Garmin tie-up. You, you know, that, that just, like, made all sorts of sense. This one, I'm sure it does make sense, but it's just a bit more opaque, isn't it? Yeah, I think a lot of people have expected Trainer Road because when you look at the numbers, there's a lot of Zwifters, Trainer Road. Sufferfest is probably third, maybe fourth mm. on the list. Mm. Um, mm. But, again, that also makes them ripe for the picking. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll know more about that in the future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Trainer Road, um, Trainer Road is now more expensive than Zwift. Shock, shock, shock. Uh, well, it is quite a shock, actually, because, I mean, you know, and, uh, whenever I say anything that's vaguely negative about Trainer Road on, or even neutral about Trainer Road on um, uh, on the Zwiftcast, I get lots of angry comments in Zwiftcast listeners. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, Trainer Road is a great thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Trainer Road. It's got a fantastic workout library and it's got lots of blue graphs, but it's now more expensive than Zwift. Does that look like a good value proposition as a consumer, Nathan, do you think? I was really surprised at this price increase. Like, I kind of scratched my head like, What's Trainer Road again? I mean, I used Trainer Road like a, while, a long time ago. So I think I was using Trainer Road as an overlay for when I was Zwifting to show more things. Or no, I was using it when I was playing other games and I wasn't even Zwifting yet. And Trainer Road was what I was using to show my heart rate and my power so that people could see that I was actually riding a bike while playing Dota. And they were like, and so it was like the thing I was using for info, but. I just always made my own workouts and I was kind of a bread and butter guy when it comes to intervals. So like, well, twenties are, we're going to do it and I need good five minute power and I don't need a super interesting workout to entertain me. I just need to do the work if I need to do the work. And so I just don't see the value play. I honestly don't, I don't understand what value there is because I write my own workouts and it's not that hard to figure out peak powers and aim at them. And what you need to see data, my Garmin does that. I'll pay 150 bucks up front and I can take it outside. I can't take Trainer Road outside. So what's it there for? Don't, don't you know, don't, 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 don't be rotten to Trainer Road because I'll get, I'll get lots of angry comments. I mean, you know, <laughs> I just no, don't see it. I don't like personally it, people see it. who like it. I think what we're, what we're trying to discuss here is, you know, this is a thumping price increase, makes it more expensive than Zwift. Just doesn't make sense to me, Shane. I'll go into bat for Trainer Road because I know the guys quite well. Um, 
look, this, but first of all, this is their second price increase in under 12 months. That's like what I've equated to having a double puncture on a ride. The first one's like, oh, damn. The second one is like, this is not my day. So I think trainer road users are a little bit, this is not my year. Um, they do have a grandfathering price policy though. So whatever paying, whatever pay rate you're on for say the 12 month sub, and as long as you've got an active account, it stays that rate forever. They're forever grandfathering. Whether you agree with that or not, from a business side of things, I don't know. From a consumer side, it's kind of handy. There's still people on, I think, $99 a year. But this did bump up to $129 a year. Now it's up to $189 a year. They have um, done a little bit of backpedaling today and are offering people a week to adjust to this new plan if they want to lock in 12 months now at the current price uh, because it was announced on the website just silently. Um, in regards to the value, they have changed a lot in the last 12 months. They've come out with, um, you, there's now fitness tracking. So you can track your uh, CTL, TSS, TSB, et cetera. So your fitness over time, which is very important if you want to track your fitness, obviously, something that Zwift doesn't have yet. Um, they've also got calendaring so you can schedule in rides. And now they've also got Trainer Road. And what Nathan said, and I will refer to this, they do have Trainer Road outside now. So you can have your rides scheduled or your plans scheduled and it goes to your Garmin head unit, soon to be Wahoo as well. And you can take your rides or efforts and do them outside and just follow the plan. It's not erg mode, obviously, until you find a good hill um, and then get that done. So there's a lot more value added there, which I think um, may be lost, I guess, in a lot of people who just think, okay, Trainer Road was that because that's what I knew it was three or four years ago. But the Trainer Road today was a little different. And I think that's their justification. It's, it's becoming... Um, I guess there's also more competition in the marketplace to win users as well. So they're going to have to keep adding, 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 whether existing users like it or not. That's adding value and also adding the pricing. So we've seen it across the board. We've seen recently um, StufferFest increase their prices as well. Can I backpedal just a little? <laughs> Everyone's backpedaling. Let's go. Just a little. Just a little. And just to say you're talking to a coach and essentially you're paying for a software that will coach you. And so like, I'm not a good person yes. to talk to about the value because I'm yep, competing yep. with trainer road, right? Like as a coach, I'm in the market going, what do you need them for? Use me. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, yep. you know, so I'm not the right person to talk to about it necessarily because really if you pay 189 for a year, that's a lot cheaper than me. So I will say if you don't want a coach, it's a good value. So, well, it's horses for courses, isn't it? It, it is, but but like Shane says, two price rises in a year, double puncture. Yep. Okay, it's only for new, you know, a double puncture. <laughs> absolutely, it's only for new subscribers. We, we should also make that clear. But you do wonder if this is a company being fattened up to be sold off. Maybe who knows? Who knows? Um, interesting one. Okay, finally on uh, kind of moves and news, uh, one of the real minnows, well, I see it as a minnow anyway, of the indoor cycling world, Ruby, has acquired a British company which has got a big library of real-life video of UK courses and also some special motorbike-mounted equipment for capturing really smooth, high-quality vid of real-life courses. And this is Ruby. It's kind of it's augmented reality, isn't it, Shane? So you get a, you get an animated figure within or animated figures within real life landscapes. I mean, whenever I've looked at it, it's just always looked hideously buggy to me. Is it? Yeah, look, augmented reality is their unique value prop at this point. So you've got your 3D generated avatar riding real roads. But like a lot of other, I guess what I call Zwift clones or 
non-Zwift platforms, you look kind of awkward on a bike. And that's one thing we've spoken about before. From day zero, Zwift got it right. You look good on a bike. Even if indoors, you look pretty terrible on a bike with one knee swaying out to the side or, you know, your left-right bounces a bit off. At least on Zwift, you look good. Um, but in regard to Cycle Recon, look, I live and breathe this stuff and I have never heard of them. They are very small. Um, I am familiar with Ruby though. We met with the team over in uh, at a Saris event in Italy two weeks ago because their Saris slash Cyclops used to be an owner or partner of Ruby. Um, when it was known as virtual training. So again, they've got a, they, they do have a value prop, which is the uh, augmented reality. That does have potential if you could upload your own rides and ride your own routes and then race people virtually on those. But there's a lot of computation that goes behind the scenes to making a two-dimensional flat video into a 3D world. Actually, you've just reminded me. It's, it's not on our. It's not on our running order, but we really ought to discuss this. Actually, one of the other things that came out of the, out of the John Mayfield interview. Um, talking about how how good you look on a bike in Zwift. I mean, John did say that, that, that there's a pretty wholesale review going on, and well, redesign basically of, of the UI. Um, Lord alone knows what what it's going to look like, but I got the impression it was quite that there's going to be quite a big change to the UI of Zwift. I guess Nathan, you think that might be overdue? Oh yeah, and um, I think one of the main criticisms that you hear a lot of times is that like customization or just like simple, like go here, do this, go here, do that. Like here's a mission that you can do. And it's all being kind of like really upfront and, and, and simple and quick click throughs and things like um, it does feel like it's been long, long overdue. And I think that's also Zwift's own words too, that like we know, and I know that there was hirings that went on specifically around UI, that they were out there looking for this for a long time. And uh, some awesome individuals got put in and, and there's been a lot of like, a lot of work it looks like to me being put into this. And so I'm excited for it. I think we're going to get a whole new look uh, to Zwift and it'll be fresh. I think actually the UI changes will be more exciting than new tar tarmac personally. It is. Yeah, no, it is interesting actually, because it will be the first big change to how Zwift looks ever, ever. I know what you're going to say, Shane, if I ask you what you want to see change most, let me, let me, let me see if I'm right. You want text not to appear in the middle of the screen. <laughs> right or wrong? Uh, well, customizable, so we can have it at the bottom, the lower third, <laughs> like watching a movie. <laughs> but what 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 would you like to see from the UI? I mean, John him, him, himself actually. I mean, last time I talked, the time before last one I talked to him, I think I used this phrase that some people had described the UI as a bit Fisher Price, and he, he actually looked physically wounded when, when when I said that to him the time before last. This time he actually said it himself. I think he's been on a bit of a journey where he does accept that, you know, the, the kind of Fisher-Price thing may be uncomfortably close to the truth and and it really is time for a fresh look. It's going to be hard to get it um, seamless across all platforms. And by what I mean by that is you go to the hardest platform first to integrate or interface with Swift, and that would be the Apple TV remote. How can they get something very complex oh, to work with that? God, yeah, I hate yeah. Apple TV remote. <laughs> so do they then pass a lot of that off or a lot of configuration off onto the mobile app, such as mm. um, you know, clearing the screen of all your data or screen customization within the companion app? I think there's a lot of room to move there with the companion app. It has been accepted very well. Um, everyone has a mobile phone, maybe even an Android phone to use in companion with Swift. So maybe offloading something to that. But the trick is going to be making it easy because what we're getting is quite complex. Um, things like um, the Tax Neo Road Feel only pops up when you've got a Tax Neo Trainer. 
Um, and other certain things only pop up when you've got certain trainers. Erg mode only pops up when you've got a controllable trainer. Um, the list of trainers is getting longer and longer on the screens. It's just, and you know, the pairing screen, how do you make that seamless? It's going to be a big, tough ask, um, but I'm sure they've, they've got the right people on board and I'm keen to see it. Yeah, but you're, you're talking you're talking detail now. We just want something prettier. We just we don't care about how hard it is. We just want something that looks a bit prettier. I, I got to say, though, as a PC user that gets this in cross-platforming in all video games, the Xbox can get it done when you're using thumb controller. And I, I just, I wouldn't, if a game told me, like if Apex Legends told me your PC experience is going to be worse because Xbox, I'd be like, what? No, wait a second. Make it as good as it possibly can be on this platform and then deal with that other platform. Now at the same, like how many users are on Apple TV? I guess you got to go to the user base and all that. I just, I hear this sometimes in, in, in some of the conversations and I'm like, can we just make it as good as it can be, please? Like, let's not hold it back. Like that whole idea of holding it back because of some because of some cross-platforming. I'm like, okay, we'll get it as good as it can be on that other platform, but make it as awesome as it can be on all platforms. So that that's my point there. I really would like it to see as best as it can be on each platform and held back where it needs to be for Apple TV or whatever else you need to put it on. Well, it's interesting. I mean, that is a, it's a big change that one coming. It really is a big change, a big visible change, you know. And, and and people will. I mean, often lots of changes are done under the hood, and it kind of improves the user experience incrementally. But when you get a UI change, it's a really big dramatic change so i think uh, i think that's going to be um that's going to be quite significant i didn't ask i didn't dare ask john when um but i, I would have thought maybe this winter would 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 maybe not be off the cards who knows okay well let's catch up with how another eagerly awaited zwift feature namely the fence is working out for those few who don't know the fence is a flyer prevention device, a big red barrier in-game that stops people piling off the front of group rides. Uh, there could be no one better to discuss this than the estimable Tim Searle, one of the best and most experienced ride leaders anywhere in the known universe. So I dialed him up at ADR HQ, close to Brisbane, Australia, and asked him for his thoughts. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcaster, Tim Searle. Hi, Tim. Hi, Simon. How are you? Long time. It is a long time, isn't it? I'm very well indeed. Thanks, mate. Um, so let's talk about the fence. Um, in a few words, helicopter view. How's it working for you as Mr. King Ride Leader? <laughs> it's, uh, I, th- I think it's uh, very, very promising. It's, it's, it's great to finally have a tool available to ride leaders to, to help us keep larger groups together. Um, I, I think uh, it's 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 been a positive start. Yes. Is it killing flyers? I mean, you know, have flyers ceased to exist? Well, I think so on our rides. I mean, for, for me, it's it's never been about killing flyers. It's been about protecting the rear uh, guys at the group, the battlers at the back of the group. The fact that we can control those guys on the front means that the rear is no long, longer under a great pressure, so uh, they last a lot longer. I'm getting a lot of great feedback from people who are. Um, previously really struggling on the back of the group, then they, they can now do the whole ride, which is it's excellent feedback. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess that's job done then in that case, really, because the idea of the fence was to enable ride leaders to have more power in, in, in marshalling and keeping groups together. And in that respect, you, you'd, you'd give it how many marks out of 10? I'd give it uh, a good uh, seven out of ten. I mean, like anything, there's uh, there's nuances to it, and it, it's got to be used in the right way. Um, Shane Miller um, did one of our first test rides, and he immediately picked uh, the fact that a lot of people 
we're using the um, the fences motor pacing. So you get you get a lot of people that want to want to ride right up on the fence. You can have a group of people around the leader doing the right thing, and a group right up on the new shiny fence. Um, and that means there's a split in the group. And no matter what the ride leader does, because the the fence is always set ten seconds ahead. The groups never come together, um, and, and that can be a bit problematic. I think um, in time, people who they'll get over riding on the fence. I mean, it must be really annoying to continually get um, alerts and, and pop-ups saying "please drop back" and, and things like that. So I think uh, I think once it wears off a bit, things will settle down. Yeah. Yeah. You you gave it 7 out of 10, Tim. What would you like um, HQ to do to improve it? I mean, have you got any kind of practical ideas as to uh, for, for feedback to them, which I'm sure you've given them? I I, I think I, I've, I know it's there to um, to be seen, but I think it's, it's just, you know, we've got this really pretty courses and everything, and there's this big red thing in front of you. I, th- I think that can be improved in, in a couple of ways. I'm not sure on its current visual setting, but I know once you get a certain distance back from it, it disappears, um, which is good. Most ride leaders like myself, um, the default um, settings, the five seconds seems on flat courses, which is where most large group rides operate. Five seconds is 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 about the sort of sweet spot, and it's it's one of the default uh, settings of the, the fence that we get. Um, and at that, when I'm sitting at five seconds, I can still always see it. So I think it disappears at maybe six or seven seconds. I think it might be beneficial just to drop that down to three or four. So it's not just there in your face all the time. Um, taking that a step further, I'm not even sure that it needs to be a big red um, archway the whole time. Um, I'm thinking maybe just a just a red line um just you know, on the ground in front of you might be enough. I think once people get used to the fact that it's there, that that will be uh, enough people uh, for people, and it's not visually obtrusive. Then, mm, mm, mm. yeah, I think I think I probably agree with that. I mean, it, at the moment, it is a big red barrier, and um, it could perhaps be a bit more subtle. Have you noticed any other kind of? Um, uh, odd behavior as a result of the fence i mean you talk about people riding up to it and treating it as a as a motor pace i mean that's just cyclists for you isn't it that's what that's what cyclists do um i've heard i've heard of death by fence which which is when somebody actually wants to leave the ride you know they they deliberately breach the fence i mean the problem is i could see that stretching a group um not really because once they're gone they're gone and everything sort of settles down pretty quickly mm-hmm. i've um i've i've seen it um, and it's only you know it's it's a minute and um, um, you know once once they've gone past the minute they're they're out anyways because everybody knows that it's it, it, it's it's a minute we do see pretty regularly right at the end of rides as soon as it clicks over to 59 seconds to go they're all off and everybody just oh well we can't we can't get booted anyway so the the fifth the last 59 seconds of any group ride at the moment is a bit of a ride off but that's fun you know i don't mind that yeah yeah it's only a bit of cyclists honestly what are they like but you know it sounds to me as though this is achieving 
most, maybe not all of what it set out to do, which is is to help ride it, ride leaders control large packs and and large groups and keep them together. Definitely, I, th- I think it's um, it's it's definitely working. Um, it's just like everything on Zwift; it just throws up different things, and that's why it's great for for us to be testing it. If you know, it's just getting used to it, and I've, I'm I, I'm finding that I'm pretty used to it already, and I think it works. Good. Well, your endorsement, my friend, carries a very significant amount of weight because uh, if there's one rider leader who knows what he's doing, I think it's uh, I think it's Mr. Tim Searle. And um, you know, thanks very much for everything you do you do for the community and and for giving the fence a, a great stress test and for giving us this this progress report. And it's always great to talk to you, Tim. Thanks a lot, fella. Thanks, Simon. Cheers. Um, lads, I don't think actually that that Tim has left <laughs> left as much room to mop up on that one. Actually, I mean. I, it works, doesn't it? The fence. I think it works, but it's a bit ugly. Was what was what Tim was saying. I mean that this thing of death by fence and people playing with it and using it for motor pacing. He didn't seem to think that was a huge a huge problem. Shane, would you would you share his views there? Yeah, look, I was up early at 5 a.m. one morning. Now, I'd never get up early, um, but I was up early to yeah. test the fence out because I wanted to see what it was all about with one of the um, AHDR bacon early morning rolls. So I jumped on, and the first thing everyone did is yet they nudged up to the fence, they nudged up, nudged up, they went across, <laughs> they went back, and they went across. We had heaps of fun with it. it. was Again, it's all about bringing a new experience to Zwift, and there were heaps of people having heaps of fun. I really liked it. And then I thought, you know, I'm sort of looking back at the psychology of the group and how it was, you know, bulging around the fence, not back to Tim, though at the fence. And then Tim would push the fence out. Everyone cycles up to the fence as if it was a motor pacing bot. So I think this would be a really good test in seeing how they could probably do better group rides or group management with maybe a motor pacing something rather than the the fence of death. Um, I think it's cool. Um, And I think it does serve a purpose of those flyers in events that do go beyond the ride and uh, negatively impact the experience for others. And I'm strong on this point is that this is something new to indoor cycling that before we used to jump on and train and no one else was involved. Whereas now somebody in one country can affect the, you know, the experience of another because they've pulled yeah. another bunch off and split the gaps and done all that. But I think it's cool. I really do. But I think it's being used in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it certainly looks like it's working, Nathan. I mean, there's some tweaks to do. I think Tim gave it seven out of 10, which I thought based on, what, on everything else he said was, was a little ungenerous actually. It felt more like a kind of 8.5 to me, but um, and and that the kind of big bigness and redness of it was was perhaps a little crude. Maybe that will be changed in the in the UI review. But in general, I, it looks as though it's working. Have you had much experience with it? I actually haven't done a ride with a fence. I I just race and don't do these group rides. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just a racer now. I'm just a racer. I don't solve my hands with any kind of any uh, any I'm of just your ordinary break away. I mean, I'm the guy who messes up everything, and I need the fence in my life. So, like, I'm the guy that gets yelled at. At the local group ride. What I thought was entertaining to me is that we have this fence thing to entertain the the, the guy yelling at me at the group, local group ride. But it, online, he gets something he can't get in real life. Which so he should go ride Zwift now because he can yell at people and actually get a consequence than <laughs> the guy who's taken off off the front. Where in real life, he just could go back to the bar and yell about Nathan. So <laughs> no. So anyways, you're, ob- <laughs> you're obviously not the best person. No. Anyway, this is an opinion on about the fence. I like the fence. I do. I like the fence. It's it's a it's cool. Uh, the the interactions with it, like Shane said, are are interesting and and kind of fun to see how people are interacting with it. And 
Um, I think uh, I've had Nicola Cramner on from Show Air 2020, and, and they have a Thursday morning group ride, and they're starting to introduce the fence to their group ride. And it's interesting to see how um, it changes the whole group ride. And it kind of does its purpose, it seems like, because everyone starts chatting more, it sounds like, and interacting yeah. more rather than focused on this other thing of like, is it all staying together? It kind of just forced that. That's a no, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a no brainer. Yeah. We don't have to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. And now it becomes yeah, more social. We, we don't have to waste. We don't have to waste time and effort shouting at people. Exactly. So that becomes a focus yeah. and that's out of mind then. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to the day when, um, when I'm strong enough to be able to test the fence. Because <laughs> at the moment it'd be stopping me falling off the back. But, you know, things are looking up in that direction. Okay. Well, um, once Latour finishes, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this all this year, fellas. I mean, I know by the time most people listen to this podcast, it'll be over. But as we record, it's the last two stages three brutal stages in the alps coming up i have absolutely loved the tour this year i just think it's been fantastic but anyway once the tour finishes and the august city season is done and dusted september will be upon us and this year the organizers of your bike the world's biggest bike show have made the very sensible decision to place their event uh, back in that month away from the tour where they were rather stupid to put it last year i thought um traditionally we've seen a number of big announcements at eurobike uh, that are of significant interest to those cyclists who now traditionally do many of their winter miles indoors and traditionally right about now shane we speculate on what we might see in here in germany in the giant airship hangars that house eurobike so let's get at it my friend and i know i'm testing your fence here because you know <laughs> you know more than you can say so I won't push you and whatever you can say you will and whatever you can't say you won't. Um, but let's start with who's jumped the gun. And that's Elite, who've already announced a new trainer, the Sweeto. Uh, in Elite's time-honoured fashion, it's written in a way that makes it hard to pronounce for people who may not speak any of the European languages like French or Italian. But it's not as quite as bad as some of the others but sweeto it is uh, no massively exciting features i don't think i mean this one is absolutely all about price isn't it uh yeah i think the new trend will be to jump the gun or go beyond that eurobike release fence because it, everything gets lost forest from the tree sort of thing so this is one of the first mm. ones at the sweeto from uh, elite and yes it's all about price so looking at us 799 comes with a cassette fully assembled in the box and it's a pretty small box i've seen one of these in the in in the flesh and it's quite small so it's ready to ride ready to use from a technology and a ride experience it's not anything that stands out though it's all about the dropping of prices and the smaller form factor and i think what mm. elite are trying to do is position themselves in the marketplace where they put themselves with the Doretto two years ago. They nailed that strategy. They came in yeah, with the true. first mid-range trainer. So I think they're looking to repeat that success. So we'll see how they go. Yeah, and all the others will no doubt chase them. Um, does look like a jerry can though, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think I, I've got to find a jerry can for the review video. I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> we always okay, have fun with well, your names. Um, Zwift, I don't know if we'll see anything, anything else new from Elite at Eurobike. Who knows? I think they may have shot their bolts already. But um, Zwift, of course, will be there. And I understand uh, that their display space, I'm not going to call it a booth because it just doesn't do justice to what it, what, what, to, 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 to some booth. I mean, it's going to be giant, bigger and better than ever, I think. Uh, but traditionally, we don't see too many big announcements from the big Z at Eurobike, do we, Shane? But maybe referencing the the the, the uh, conversation of a few moments ago, we might 
maybe see a course maybe well if there's four weeks out from the worlds mm. yeah that must mm. be around about that time but we never see i don't think anything majorly large at eurobike because zwift is global zwift is absolutely everywhere and it's the off season for zwift in the northern hemisphere so mm. hmm, i don't think we'll see anything major there but you're right the speculation there of the is it the yorkshire worlds course um that'd be kind of cool that would work that'd get a few eyes on what's going on um but yeah. i think it's also about zwift showcasing the integration of technologies um, and all these new trainers with their platform people going through a bit of eye candy and that's what it's all about yeah i think it's also a bit of um there's a bit of humble bragging goes on at Eurobike, isn't there? You know, I mean, you know, if you're if you're doing really well, you've got a lovely, lovely smart booth, and I think there'll be a bit of drift humble bragging going on there. Actually, maybe not so humble bragging. Um, let's move on to where the action might be then, and I think I'd leave Germany a little bit disappointed if I didn't hear two things from Tax Garmin. One, a release date for the Neo Smart Bike that was announced, previewed, and promised for last year at Eurobike 2018. So good to hear something about that. And secondly, some kind of intel on what the Garmin acquisition of tax may actually mean. Do you think my expectations are too high there, Shane? Yeah, speaking of massive booths at Eurobike, tax. They've always yeah, got God, a massive know. footprint there. It's like a spaceship, there. isn't it? Yeah, so I'm keen to see what they do with Garmin. Garmin have also got their own booth there, which is pretty big. Well, it's very busy, but we'll have a look at that. Look, I think there's a lot going on from a business business perspective there, policies, procedures, and things like that. There's a lot, there's a lot changing at tax. Bike-wise, well, is it the year of the smart bike? But wasn't that 2017 or 2018? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that, that must be ready. That must be uh, ready now, surely. I, 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 I know things. Um, let's see. Let's see. It's it. Yeah, uh, positive things. Positive things. Um, look, as in regards to a new Neo, though, uh, look, the Neo Two was launched only ten months ago. It wasn't even launched at Eurobike last year. So another Neo in within ten months. Hmm. We'll see. Um, quiet trainers, I think, is probably going to be a something we'll see for the companies that you have figured that thing. out. Anything else a thing now? Yeah, it has to be. Quiet is the new is the new standard. Even though your music mm. is loud and the fans are loud, the trainers now have to be quiet. So we'll see that. Mm. But yeah, look, whatever became of rocker plates, Shane? Ah, well, they sort of went side to side of it, and that's about it. Look, we did see, though, <laughs> Saris slash Cyclops doing something over at the Giro Rossa. I was there in person, and that rocking thing that we saw last year that was out on show at the Trek Sigafredo women's team. Sorry, Trek Bold, Bold, Bold Mains. Sorry, I'm getting yeah, the, yeah, the team yeah, name yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the women's teams there at the Giro Rossa, we were there watching them do the warm-up. There was the rocker plate there with a new was pair there. of what, clothes that, that looked, yeah. looked like a production different. version. Yeah, yeah. It looked different. So let's mm. keep an eye on that one. But look, those things are difficult to ship because they're large. Yeah. They look like child's coffins. So yeah. hmm, you might want one of those rocking up on the doorstep. Your neighbours will be asking questions. But look, we shall see. Rocket plates, they haven't um, taken over the world. And speaking of rocking, the Kinetic R1 has landed here in the Llama Lab. Now, this is the first direct drive smart trainer that does rock side to side. Um, review pending. Um, yes. Do I do, – do I, do, do, am I breaching a confidence if I say – your initial finding was a little eyebrow raising. Uh, so far, uh, so far, yes. Um, I've got to go back and make sure that I've got it all set up correctly. Is that saying okay. it politely? I don't think I'm putting out 2,000 watts in a sprint. That's my question yeah. that I had for them. Well, so am I on the right not, firmware? Am I uh, yeah, doing the right spin downs? Or am I line the R1 until you've done proper tests? But Yeah, we'll yeah, give them a chance will, to have a look at the data and we'll uh, go from there. 2,000 watts would... Well, maybe not for you, but it would 
it would uh, raise my eyebrows if the <laughs> ordinary person was, was kind of capable of knocking out that. Okay, well, as usual, the recaster will be at your bike, though mine is Shane this year, very sadly, but he's got more important things on his mind. Uh, but I'll no doubt be wandering the cavernous halls with someone who's informed and knowledgeable about the kind of stuff Swifters will be interested in hearing about, so stay tuned for that. Um, Nathan, as well as winning races, uh, or Juju, as we now should start calling you, um, <laughs> you've been in the test lab with a series of experimental race events. Tell us, tell us more. Well, the idea is that uh, we want to push the racing scene a little bit with the community. Um, so the idea is that like we make a couple little tweaks with what's already available in game, right? So we have opportunities to turn certain power ups, power ups on or off. We can, uh, maybe make a little bit of change to how fast the pack is going perhaps, or, you know, there's little things that we're able to change to try and make things, more entertaining for the racers and more entertaining for the broadcast. We've got all these tools and resources and you kind of want to aim it well. And the community again can prove like in its experience, what's going to work and what might not work, right? Like a lot of games do this with beta tests and things like that. And so we want to create a test space to allow the community to try things and say, yeah, I like that, or no, I didn't like that. And I encourage everybody that wants to join, it's Tuesdays uh, at 1.25 p.m. That's Central Standard Time uh, here in America, or Central Daylight Time, whatever it is right now. And over by you guys, it's, what, 7.25 then, I think, p.m.? Sounds like you're doing very, very good work there, my friend. Keep passes. Um, okay, well, uh, there goes another hour of our lives, boys, talking about talking about a video game. How, how do we do that? How, how do we do that? But we seem to do it on a fairly regular basis. So let's um, let's wrap wrap up with a few final thoughts. Um, have I mentioned I've loved the tour this year? I have been rooted to it. So uh, in this final little little section, let's just dwell on the tour a little bit. I mean, I know it will be over by the time a lot of people listen to the podcast. But for those who download straight away. Um, Who's going to win? Who is going to win? I am going with... I think I'm probably going to go with Thibaut Pinot, actually. I just think he looks so, so strong climbing. I'd sort of like... I'd, I'd sort of like Alaphilippe to win it, just because he's, you know... He's a fighter, isn't he? I mean, that that stage, uh, the last stage before the rest day, when did you see him collapsed on the barriers? And 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 that final two K. I mean, he had a drool beard. You know the full works. This was a you know a fully fully committed rider. I'd I'd kind of like to see him win, but I think it's probably going to be Pino. Shane, your call. Just looking at the list here. So Alan Phillip. Um, so we give everyone Australian names here, so we can pronounce them. So Alan Phillip. I'd love to see him win. That that is a great story. Um, and his fight. But I'm just also looking at tonight's stage, which goes up Col de Vars. Um, the is is yard and called the Galibia. And yeah, but the lottery, um, the lottery before the Galibia. I mean, I've ridden that. Oh. I've ridden that. It is an absolute horror show. It is absolutely straight. I mean, you can see this avalanche shelter at the top, which is I don't know five, six, seven k away. And certainly, if you're if you cycle at my level, the damn thing just never gets any closer, and you are just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Lotteries are really hard climb. Then they go up the and the finishes. Down, they go down a little bit after the final climb. Yeah, yeah, they, they go up up the Galibier and then down into into Valois, and that is a fast, fast descent. 
there could, there could be some could be some fireworks on that. Second place at the moment at 135, Gary Thomas. Um, again, another Aussie name for Gary <laughs> Thomas. Um, so I, look, I hope for Zwift Marketing that Gary takes, takes the win there for Zwift Marketing. Uh, Kruzjek. Gary for the tour. Gary for the tour. But Kruzjek is is also a lot of uh, Jumbo Visma who have had a really, really good tour. But we have had Tony Martin thrown out last night. What is with that? So, uh, look at yeah, no. That was worse than it looked, you know. That was worse than it looked. I mean, there was only a little clip yeah. on TV, but they were, I mean, they, you know, trying to throw people, trying to actually shoulder somebody off the road and then, as somebody pointed out, perhaps see them plough into fans. That's not good. That's not good. I People thought, thought that decision was hard. The excitement of everyone who's watching it, Simon, yourself and Nathan, and like just our banter here, it just goes to show the the energy that this, the tour can generate. And it makes me want to go get on a bike and go ride those hills. It is brilliant. So, look, I am, yeah, I'm yeah. going to go have a coffee now. It's 6 p.m. here. Um, I can't sleep at night at the moment because the tour is on. So I'm going to have a coffee. I'm going to be up studying the tour and the stage, and I'll be glued. I'll be glued to it. I can't wait. Uh, you still haven't told us who you think is going to win. Gary, are you going to go with Gary? Yeah, look, I think Gary's going to win it. Um, uh, it's a predictable win um, and, a, and a win for Zwift. And a win for Zwift. Oh, Maybe he'll get eight rides in good. soon. Yeah, very good work, Shane. <laughs> very kind of you. Uh, Nathan, your pick, please. Yeah, everyone, I, you know, Julian Philippe, I really like. Everyone's like, yes. And up front, I was like, oh, my gosh, can you do this? But uh, my, like, nah. wild card, though, not my even wild card. Not, I don't, I, okay. When somebody who you've watched for years kind of sit in the background and always be really, really strong but never take the win, and then suddenly they're right there, I think Stephen Kruzwick, I think he wants it. I think that he sat in the background for a little bit too long, and he's making time on Garrett when it matters. And when it really hits the real mountains, Alaphilippe suffers, and he's still there. I think Stephen Kruzwick is going to win. Yeah, but I mean, Bookman, nobody talks about Bookman. I mean, nobody talks about Bookman. He's just been up there the whole time. I mean, it used to be like this. That was the other one I was going to say too, actually, but I didn't want to like shotgun approach and cheat. So, used to be like this. I mean, Balcomolomo was top 10 in, in the tour for like years, like four or five years, he was top 10. And nobody ever talked about him. It was really weird. Maybe he just didn't go out and seek, you know, seek attention apart from on the bike, which is uh, very laudable. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to stick with Pino. I am, I, and actually, I, I am going to say sorry, Swift. Sorry, um, sorry, Gary. But I, I would just, you know, the romantic in me, I would love to see a Frenchman win the Tour for the first time in 35 years. I really would. It's not a bad pick, the way he's attacking those climbs right now. I mean, he's... Yeah, I'm wondering right. if he can Lots last. That's the only thing. I'm wondering if he can last with how hard he's going. That's all. So... Well, an exciting few days to come. Once I've edited the podcast, you know where I'll be. Um, I will be on my bottom in front of um, a screen or two, making sure that uh, I... Uh, uh, fully enjoy the last two three days which i just think are going to be absolutely epic um lovely to talk to you boys anything you want to uh slip in before we finish shane uh no no i'm good it's been a good episode i think we've covered everything we're looking covered. forward to the next one already oh. where we can celebrate uh gary's win <laughs> <laughs> nathan uh, last chance for a quick plug of hello uh, in exactly 58 minutes, I'll be broadcasting with Pat Shaw, HDR The Chop, 
category racing against each other. It is handicap racing. Go check those out on Thursdays. Uh, otherwise, uh, that's my next thing up. I got to go set up the broadcast now. So okay. that's the well, thing I, on my mind. One thing, <laughs> although the results of the tour might be unknown, one thing is known, which is that I won't get this edited in the next 58 minutes. So people will have to, <laughs> people will have to find out. Well, on, that, that's every week. We'll be doing that every week. So yeah. you can do that. at <laughs> We're doing HDR The Chop continually. It's a really cool thing. Uh, where all the categories have a chance to win. It's pretty cool. Excellent. Okay, check that one out. Uh, lovely to talk to you, boys. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Uh, hope you enjoyed the rest of the tour as much as I do. Thanks very much for this episode. Talk to you next time. Goodbye. All right, see you later, everyone. Bye-bye now. Cheers, guys. And that is indeed that for this episode. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Just the usual bit of housekeeping, which is to say thank you to Zwift for continuing to support the Zwiftcast. Uh, as you may have seen on Zwiftcast listeners, they've just signed up to do that for another year, so even bigger thanks to them. But also a good time to remind you that Zwift do not influence anything that we say during the production of the podcast. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.